Hi, this is Thomas from Quest and Chaos. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and joining us on this chaotic adventure. If you want to listen to our other exciting podcasts, such as Swords and Sages, Chaos Agent, Spelljammer, and many more, please visit our website at questsandchaos.com slash podcasts for links to your favorite podcast platform of choice. Now, if you enjoyed this content and want to support us, please consider joining our Patreon for exclusive content, cast interaction, and more at patreon.com slash chaos. Now, enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Untitled Podcast Show, where Thomas and I talk about untitled things. It's episode three. We are, this is how you signal three in uh, all the world's uh, Except the U.S. worlds. Yes. Okay. As far as I know. Mm-hmm. So what is happening in, so what happened this week in hey, Chaos? Hello. Right to it. Well, we watched So I Married an Axe Murderer <laughs> the other day, which was a fantastic movie. I think, what do you think about Mike Myers' uh, portrayal oh, as Lord. his own father in that movie? His, actually, that was the best part of what that entire movie was about. <laughs> Everybody else, meh. Okay, all right. So we're going to get... <laughs> Can we just talk about what happened this week? Can we? I know that happened, but nobody cares. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, what happened uh, earlier this week, we released Tainted Grail, episode two. Mm-hmm. I keep doing things like mm-hmm. that. That's fine. So why is it taking you so long to release? When was episode one? How long between that and episode two? 30 days between the two episodes. Because? Uh, we were doing other things, learning how to stream remotely. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of stuff got in the way of doing that. It also takes a lot of work to in post on those particular episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time uh, somebody takes damage or heals, it's a new uh, document. It's a new image that we make to load into the edit system. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of work. Um, so like how many hours to shoot one episode to it's like, edit to yeah. like what's the actual total runtime it's like four hours to shoot an episode if we're doing well we did so we played uh chapter one and chapter two we didn't finish chapter two the first time we played it we were about six hours in and we're like that we gotta stop this is just (laughs) this is just awful uh so we replayed chapter one and chapter two we actually did worse the second time that we actually filmed and then uh, chapter two, we did better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an hour and 15 minutes or so, okay. or an hour and a half, and we were really surprised. Oh, my God, we're done already? Uh, so we have, uh, spoiler, we have found the Holy Grail. Um, it is the... Camelot. So Tainted oh, Grail. okay. I was like, I didn't know the point of the game. So Tainted Grail thought is. thought it was just about minis. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Um, Tainted Grail is the story of an alternate universe Camelot where... These men here statues are keeping the weirdness at bay. And the statues are going dark. So actual heroes left your villages to find out what happened and didn't come back. So then it's left to the players, who all have issues, um, to go out and... Are you talking about therapy issues the, the characters have issues i'm okay. sure the players do too what kind of issues when you say when you so, say issues you make it sound like they need to go to therapy well in so in the in the in, in yes they do um in the 
like the letter <laughs> that your mentor has left you. It says, we know you've got issues, but you're all that, you know, since we didn't come back, you're so all that you, can do. You're using the word heroes pretty loosely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, for instance, uh, my character, who's not a simple farmer, um, he requires one more magic to do to light him in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has apparently anger issues or something like cool. that. Cool. Okay. So. Got it. So it is legit therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, is there a therapy segment where not. it's like, there's not. You're like, okay, I've done my thing. I go home, eat, take a nap, go to therapy. Uh, kind of. Yes. Actually, there is that mechanic in there because when you eat and rest, you lose terror, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you're so. Uh, one of the characters, Bior, he actually has an open wound that just won't heal. Like, that's his issue. He's got an open wound that won't heal. Okay. Others are mental. Okay. <laughs> is there some play acting in this, or is it just struggling through the game? It is pretty much struggling through the game. You should go watch it. It's great. Uh, it raised a lot of money on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So it must be good. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so what else happened this week? Was uh, that the, it? We played the, some games. Yeah, we played some games. Carbon 2185. What did I do this time that was done? <laughs> well, last time you impaled people with a, with a forklift. That's what they're for. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this time I uh, we entertained some, some gang members uh, as we stormed a rival gang. Okay. Through the roof. There are way too many moniums involved, right? There are more moniums than you can shake a cred stick at. Well, I thought that was the whole point of the future is that, you know, there's the humans and then there's the the synths. Could we get synths that were not based on Aaron? That yeah, would, that we would could. be ideal. That would be less creepy. If that, if that anyway. All right. Anything <laughs> else happen? So we are doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Carbon 2185 is coming up. We have. Just on Chaos Agents, our Tuesday D&D show, mm-hmm. we have finished one of the characters' major arcs. So Remy the Fox is the pirate-turned-bounty hunter halfling, who uh, way, way back in Waterdeep um, ran into his uh, a mutinous first mate mm-hmm. on his ship. So Remy was on a ship. He loved the captain. Uh, there was the first mate mutinied. And uh, he thought his he didn't know what happened to his uh, former captain, Barden Thorn. Uh, turns out he was still alive and he was in Salt Marsh. So they have been traveling for 30 episodes. Holy cow. 30 sessions. Um, we've interspersed some of Aaron's story mm-hmm. in this as well. Ruckus, I should say. Um, his, his, so Ruckus, Uzo, and Remy's story have all been happening. Okay. As we, um, as we've gone through to where we are now, we have just finished up Remy's story. They have saved Bard and Thorn, mm-hmm. and they spent the last episode getting high and eating cookies. Cool, it's like you do, it's like you do for any successful victory. Four twenty is coming up, everybody. So um, get get your cookies out. <laughs> um. So we are, in fact, this is probably released on four twenty or the day of the day after. Okay. Anyway, I, so what's 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 to look forward to next? What week? is to look forward to is uh, we are going to. They're still going to be in Salt Marsh. They're mm-hmm. still. They are waiting for their ship to arrive. Ship 
to arrive, their ship to arrive, and then uh, they need to make for Baldur's Gate. Okay. Where Ruckus has a has a, a destiny. Sure. A dinked, maybe. Okay. Uh, a revenge. He is going to go and revenge his family. Revenge? How about avenge? Avenge, yes. <laughs> revenge his family. Motherfuckers, <laughs> what did you do to me? Why am I a mess? All right, that's I'm going to make his family still alive. <laughs> they, they, they made up the whole thing just to get Ruckus out of the house because they couldn't stand him anymore. Hey. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> anyway, so is it the Baldur's Gate that we all know and hate, or is it a different Baldur's Gate? Uh, so it is Baldur's Gate. Um, like the know, original, what was the original module called? I Murder in Baldur's Gate. That's it, yeah. Um, so Baldur's Gate has changed a little bit since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, leader of the Flaming Fist has become the, uh, basically, Lord Got of it. Baldur's Gate. Um, so basically, the the events and murders of the ball of murder in Baldur's Gate mm-hmm. have concluded, mm-hmm. and it's been updated for where we are now. Okay. So it is still a terrible place. It is still, you know, the the main the factions are still there. Yes, the main city and all the nobles, and you know, you unless you're a noble, you can't be in upper, you mm-hmm. know, in upper city yep. unless. You know, you've got like a token or a special permission to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a terrible place. Uh, should be fun. Uh, we are pulling some things from Waterdeep Dragon Heist, uh, from Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus to put together and throw some fun stuff at them. Cool. Okay. So anything else this week? Let's look at our show notes. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. <laughs> that is it. Yep. All right. So is it time for the wick? It's time for the wick. That's right. Different music this time. Sorry. Uh, All right. I'm going to let you talk about the first Kickstarter that you were telling me about that I was like, sure, sounds Uh, fun. So I think, uh, I mean, with Kickstarters, you're always looking for what are the anomalies, right? So what are the big... What are the big things that are hitting? And this one is mm-hmm. Ankh, Gods of Egypt. Well, why are you looking for it, just out of curiosity? Because I kind of assume that when people I know who buy a lot of Kickstarter games, eventually this game will become mass-produced somewhere. Like, I feel yeah. like the big games won't just sit there in Kickstarter, where if you don't get it, you're never getting it. You know, like, it was a Kickstarter, it's never going to happen. Right. So Tainted um, Grail is like that. So Tainted Grail, mm-hmm. they say, is not coming to retail. Okay. Because? I don't know. All right. Just... Uh, not in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They have other, like they sell the rights to other languages mm-hmm. to other publishers in those countries, yeah. and they might bring them to, to retail. Got it. And I understand that the U.K. Anyway, long story short, yeah. but their distribution model is different than ours. All right, right, got it. So that's why I usually don't worry about these big ones that everybody gets yeah. excited about. But um, why don't you go ahead and talk about Ankh, Gods of Egypt? So this is the third in a series of. Of games with a similar theme and uh, mechanics. Yeah. Okay. So in the other ones, you were playing uh, warlords or uh, other things, uh, but this one you're playing gods. So you are, mm-hmm. you are each a god of Egypt mm-hmm. trying to become the only god of mm-hmm. Egypt. So it is a very. Um, hmm. I mean, it's very interesting, you know, in the fact that, you know, it is, it raises, it's over a million dollars. Yeah, right now it's, in fact, while before we started this video, it was at 1.25. Now it's at 1.251. It's like, okay, so it just went up like $1,000 
and seven backers (laughs) since how many minutes? (laughs) Uh, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. So that is an interesting thing is when you are looking at a Kickstarter and watching it go up and go up, it's, mm-hmm. it's an yeah. interesting thing to Every see. Every time the page refreshes. So what, um, so kind of what draws people into this genre or this, um, who am I looking for here? Um, yeah. Who does this, by the way? Uh, so this is Come On Games. Okay. And so with the trilogy, is it something that people are just anticipating because it's Come On Games? I believe or? so. I mean, okay. it's not, It's not. I don't know if it's, a, it's not like a direct sequel, but it is like the conclusion of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it, what, what drew me to this is the actual Kickstarter campaign itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the original video Maybe we should watch that video. Okay. And then talk about it. Then talk about it. All right, let's watch that video. Well, that was a Kickstarter video that <laughs> didn't tell us anything about the actual gameplay or what it was about. I feel like that's what they're all sort of looking like these days, but anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, Rising Sun, Blood Rage, those are the two games that have come out before. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezra mentioned this game to us when we were, you know, in between shooting or recording or streaming or whatever it is we do. On Saturdays. Yep, streaming. Uh, he mentioned that this game was coming out and and uh, it was a sequel mm-hmm. to these and he re- he had a lot of fun playing those mm-hmm. games. Well, and I do see Rising Sun in game stores. Yeah. So it's, you know, some of these are actually available in the marketplace. But anyway, so anything else about this that so you found interesting? What I found interesting was after watching the video, I'm like, well, okay, that didn't tell me anything. Like, I, I, I don't agree. know anything yep. about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I see miniatures. That's what I see. Um, so uh, scrolling down the page, you actually finally get to um, some YouTube videos, which are interviews with Eric Lang, where he talks about what is the strategy? What is the gameplay? Mm-hmm. What, are the, what are the miniatures? Why did they make these you know, miniatures? Um, I think that there is a big push, like big, huge Kickstarters for board games. They have like super detailed, interesting miniatures. And I think that's a that's an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Don't know, you know, for me, I want to know what the gameplay is like. I don't care what the pieces are. I want to know if it's fun to play. And it seems Kickstarter is more about, look how awesome these minis are, you know. But it's kind of to counterpoint that, though, like how many board games do we not play anymore because after you're done with the game or after you've kind of kind of conquered the mechanic, is there anything else to bring you back? Where I think in this respect, I mean, what do you like? What's the minimum pledge here? A hundred dollars, you know, for a hundred bucks. What else can you do after you've played this thing to death? Right. You know, you can only play it so many times. Then what you can play, you know, now you paint minis. So that gives you that one extra step or that gotcha. one extra thing that people could actually buy it for, market it with, bring you back into the game, you know. Things like that, things okay. of that nature. Yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts. Yeah, I, I noticed that there was uh, there was a game a couple of years ago that came out called Kingdom Death Monster. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of the one best of the, name ever. <laughs> one of the one of the first big um, minis Kickstarters. It was you know, mm-hmm. right now if you want to buy Kingdom Death Monster, it's like two thousand um, dollars. I don't need all of the minis and all the other stuff. And so, what is the game? Mm-hmm. You know. What is a print-and-play version of that game that I can... Because it's a story game, and you're uncovering the story. That's what I'm playing the game for. I'm not playing the game for the miniatures. Mm -hmm. But that's just me, and apparently I am the odd person out. 
because there are how many backers on? Hold on, let's see what it went up to. Oh, one person literally since we watched the video. There's one more backer. Fourteen thousand yep. six hundred and eight at the time of this like recording. And it looks like they contributed about two hundred fifty bucks to this. <laughs> see, yeah, and that is amazing for a Kickstarter. Maybe I need to rethink everything. Mm -hmm. Rethink your whole entire life. Just be like, I'm going to kickstart something that costs five dollars to make, and ask for a million dollars. There we go. Ah, God of War. Yep. Retirement uh, plan decided. Apparently it's a good game. So, um... <laughs> of which you've told me nothing about. Thanks. Uh, well, cool. uh, yeah, you know, there are... Yeah. Exactly. It's okay. You have to really dig down. Uh, the rule book is there, so you can actually download the rule book and mm -hmm. read it and figure out how to play. Cool, cool. All right, so I think you backed something. Of course I did, because really that's all this segment is about, is me backing things and then telling you minutes before we start shooting it. So what did you back now? <laughs> um, woodworm dice? Woodworm? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's, I want... Okay, I am starting a company called Woodworm. Um, it is... It, we're going to make custom tables, but they're going to be awful. Just terrible, terrible tables. <laughs> they're going to have worms in it, like little worm holes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Worm wood dice. I want wood dice. I've kind of wanted wood dice for a while, and I don't know what... I don't know where... Oh, yeah, that's right. I was looking at the games that you wanted to talk about, and then I just stumbled on this. Like, all of a sudden, I opened Kickstarter again, and it's like, Amy, look at this, because it knows how I like to buy. <laughs> um, so, again, they were looking originally for... Oh, in fact, I think this actually launched, what, two days ago, three days ago? Yeah. Um, and they have completely funded. Almost everything is out, so you can't do ha oh, most wow. of the other pledges. Um, and so they have 26 days to go. They're at almost 6,500 people. They're at 800,000. And so, yeah, if I just scroll down this, it's like, you know, so there are a couple things where you can do a limited time only, like just $5 to pledge or any number to pledge, $26 to pledge. Um, then you get like up to the $1,500 for that, for like a tungsten giant D20 that's like the wow. size of your head. And then all gone is literally everything else. Wow. Yeah, everything else is gone. And there's, and this is, this is, uh, there's some celebrities that are designing dice for this. Okay, let's air quote celebrities. I mean, if you're on the internet, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I noticed that they did not contact us. <laughs> I'm just saying. Which is, again, Internet celebrity. So we don't anyway. even have quotes. We no. don't even. So we, we're just quotes. No. We are. No, you're just like, can you scroll down? You're a celebrity in your head. Anyway, so <laughs> they did all of it. I'm going to read this from the uh, read this from the notes here. So they did gemstone glass, which now that I look at it, I kind of want the glass ones instead. They do resin dice um, and they do wood dice, which is kind of originally what I wanted was the wood dice. And then they do um, a couple dice sets from um, some of the people who work at the company like Bobby and Chris Burnett. And then they do poly dice, which is their community manager. And then also I saw... Um, should have put it two and two together, but I saw both Satine Phoenix and Matthew Lillard from Beatles and Grimm um, talk about dice that were quote-unquote coming up. And then I also saw Ginny D say, I designed dice and just didn't sort of put that together. Right. And so that's been kind of all over Twitter, what, like two weeks ago maybe? Um, and so this was, like I said, announced last week. So there are a couple different – in fact, there are, if you look at the page, there are a lot of different dice that you can choose from. Um, none of them are cheap. Like the next set of dice up is like eighty five dollars. I'm like, oof, man, man wow. alive. Yep. Wow. But the cool thing about this one, and again, this 
I think it was kind of cool at the start, but now that I'm kind of thinking through it, I'm just like, well, why do you need this? Um, they talk about variant dice. So I'm going to scroll down to the variant dice here. And so... So what is what is a high variant dice? Okay. So a high variant dice is essentially where you're looking for more low rolls and more high rolls, but your average roll based on the, the sides of dice are still the same. So... Actually, I would rather have us watch that video than the beauty video. Because literally, if you watch the video at the top of their page here, there's like two and a half or two minutes and 15 seconds of just beauty shots of dice being bounced around and stuff. And literally, Doug and um, the other guy come on and they're just like, so that told us nothing about the product. I mean, literally, that video is like, that was a bunch of beauty shots. And we're actually now here to tell you for the next two and a half minutes actually what this is about. So, so they kind of got it. Yeah, they totally get it. They totally get sarcastically that these videos are bullshit. It was two minutes too long. Oh, yeah. Everything is way too long. So let's look at the video on Deep Dive on the High Variant Dice. Fabrice, do you, honestly, do you understand High Variant Dice? I still don't understand. No. (laughs) Okay, great. Here's how a High Variant Die works. So this is a standard number array on a D6, okay? Average on this is 3.5, right? So if you add it up, oh, I don't like that color, 3.5. What if we wanted to increase the chances of really good rolls and really bad rolls equally so it's still a fair die? Because I could add one to the five, minus one from the two, and so then we end up with one, one, three, four, six, six. Again, the average is the same. If you were to roll a high variance die or a normal die, say a hundred times and look at the average roll, it's the same. It's fair. It's just the high variance is giving bigger hits and bigger misses, right? Things are pushed to the extreme. It's as if we've increased the variance. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) On the first video we did, I don't know if I really got across that. We're going to do it across every single die. So D4, D8, D10, the percentile, D12, D20, any die can be high variance. And in this campaign, You can upgrade a single D20 to be high variance. You can get your whole set high variance. You can get three D6 high variance. High variance D20, I think is going to be the most, this is going to be the most pledged for item in the campaign. The D20 is gonna have, because this is what people are gonna care about. It's gonna have three 20s, okay? It's gonna have three ones, and then it's gonna have double 19, double 18, double two, and double three. Right, so the numbers you will not be able to roll are the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Mm. So from 7 to 14, that is gone. There is no middle ground. How did we figure out the placement? You know what we did? We took a normal D20. Yeah. Or or, with all these dice. You take the normal die, you see where, say, the 5 was, you turn the 5 into a 6. You look where the 2 was, you turn the 2 into a 1. So the 20... So this would be... The 20s are where the 20 was, where the 19 was, where the 18 was. You got your 20 here, 20 here, and then 20 over here. And there are your ones, ready to betray you. Where do you think you could strike the most fear in your players? Your halfling assassin is trying to snipe the duke with like a light crossbow but like it's in a crowded situation and you got what you have one shot and ooh and the duke is standing directly next to the person you're trying to save or something yeah yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like and then you request you say hey dungeon master 
can I use the high variance? And you know you're either gonna hit the toque or the person you're trying to save. It's like you're gonna get the hostage or the hostage taker. Yeah. When you have a situation where like there's a best case scenario and a worst case scenario and you're on a fucking tightrope. Yeah. The razor's edge. We've been talking about like, oh, we have to request and at request and ask the DM's permission to be able to use it. Yeah. I feel like there are gonna be a lot of DMs that get really creative in how they use high variance dice for the players. Like I think of a scenario where you arrive in these enchanted woods where maybe magic is influencing certain things and you're like, oh, well we're here, you can only roll these dice sure. in combat or something like that. I also thought that what could be interesting is if you were a player, I'm making a new character, I'm making Grub Grub the Barbarian. Grub, and Grub Grub, sure. You're making yeah. this like, ah, that's not aggressive enough. A skull Splitter, Skull <laughs> Splitter. Oh, Grub Grub, let's meet in the middle. His name's Skull Skull. There we go. Okay, so you've made your Skull Skull. So you've made your Barbarian Skull Skull. You're like, can I just do this whole character high variance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The entire time, I am just high variance. I am either smashing this person, or I'm smashing something I'm not supposed to be smashing. Yeah. Right? Like, there is no middle ground. Yeah. Right? Like, just pure chaos. Okay. So what did you think about the concept behind High Variance? So at first when I read it, I thought, oh, how are they weighting the dice? Right. Like I thought it was a regular D20 and that you weight it towards, you know, ones the or twenties. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like they've essentially just taken out, what is it, like 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and replaced those with ones, twos, threes, 18, 19s, and 20s. Yeah. At least on a D20. I, I don't know if I need more. Trouble? Yeah. Um, I mean, players' dice around the table already are a, you know, you can't see some of them when they roll. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. I can't see some of them sometimes <laughs> either. I'm just guessing if that's a 17 or a 13 because it all looks the same at some point. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where why not go further then? Why not just flip a, flip a coin well, and, and just be like, oh, you either die or you succeed. Well, it's not about dying or succeeding. It's about um, hitting and missing. Like, there is another video that I'll link to in the comments here about how um, hit points are bullshit, essentially, right. is the summation of it. And the fact that if you're going to coup de gras a sleeping or somebody who's laying on the ground and you're going to sneak up and be quiet and slit their throat... There's no middle ground with slitting somebody's throat. You either do it or you don't. Right. You know what I mean? So you're right. It's a flip of a coin or it's a percentile dice. You shouldn't have to sneak up, slit somebody's throat, and then stab them for the next five turns until they actually die. Like, right. that's pretty decisive as far as how you're going to, like, deal with something in combat. Yeah, and this came up on Chaos Agents when Uzo went to Coup de Gras, mm -hmm. a bound captive person. And he stabbed him for... A minute. As Did he, he miss his original roll? Though? No, he hit it. Okay. And, and what was he going to do? He was going to slit his throat. Or yeah. he, actually, he's going to stab him through the back of the chest. Okay. But then, you know, so he hit, and then he did damage, and it was, um, okay, but he's got 65 hit points. So you're going to spend the next, you know, 10 rounds doing D6 hit points to him. Which, and, honestly, I think is a huge waste of time. Yeah. Because the question is, did he get through the armor? in order to pierce the heart or right. a major artery in order to kill it. Like, let's add some realism to it. And I understand that that's why Ezra um, doesn't like D&D &D because it really takes some of the mechanics out of it. Right. And in fact, that's why I don't like 
playing some of the stuff where it's just like, okay, and you keep shooting at the person and they keep coming at you. It's like, this isn't a horror movie. You know, if you are going to shoot someone in an RPG, you should either like wound them or kill them. That's kind of how, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, there's not a lot of ambiguity. Hit points are meant to represent the wearing down of your body, not the... You know, mm-hmm. oh, you're hit, therefore you've got blood splattering out over. But mm-hmm. oh, oh, you're hit, and you you know you bang your knee, but that's going to cause you to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I agree. Uh, you know, we've moved to um, there is coup de gras, uh, but it's now for both NPCs and PCs. So the bad guys can do it, mm-hmm. and the, and the good guys can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who is who in my game. <laughs> the NPCs, the bad guys, are the good guys in my game. I'll just say that. The villagers, the bartenders, wait, the good guy. Wait, in your no, they're not. They're they're awful people. The bartenders usually. Yes. The innkeepers usually the good guy in any game. <laughs> anyway. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree that there is a, you know the hit points thing is a big is a big mm-hmm. weird issue. Um, the variant dice. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's. It, Why not just do a percentile? Yeah. Why not just do yeah like yeah. Or, you know like we talked about. Um, it's you either. At 10, your boat is, you know, sinking. Mm-hmm. And at 20, your boat is sailing. You know what I right. mean? It's, you know, 10 or less, 10 or above. Like, it's a pass-fail. Mm-hmm. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if we need it. It'll, I mean, it's going to be huge because it's Wormwood. I mean, it's yeah. already, it's going to be a million-dollar Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I do I need them? I don't know. Really? Because I was going to get one. <laughs> All right. Get one. Yeah. But then doesn't everyone at the table need one? No, not necessarily, because like you saw in the video, you could design a character like that, which again, I kind of feel like the dice takes away some of the imagination in the fact that it's like, okay, so if I'm going to roll a character with this dice, I could just roll the character and be like, look, you're going to get a nine in intelligence yeah. or a nine in charisma or a nine in something or an eight or a seven or you know something where you're not incapacitated, but just hinder that. Like you could actually almost do a pseudo point by where it's like, I'm going to take some, yeah, in fact, you could just do point by. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and just be like, I'm going to be really stellar in these two things and really terrible in these three things and average in the other one and just go for it that way. I think I think it's I mean, here's what I think is that 5e is not balanced for those dice. Right. So because how so? Uh, so you've got a fighter subclass where you crit on 19 and 20. Yeah. So now you have a what, you know, 20 yeah. percent chance every round to crit. Mm-hmm. It makes crits less important. Mm-hmm. And as a DM, I'm just going to have to up the hit points of the people to compensate mm-hmm. for that. I, I don't think it's I don't th- it doesn't change. In my opinion, it doesn't change the game. any. Mm-hmm. It, and in fact, it makes natural 20s and natural ones less important by having more of them. That's my take on it. OK. All right. I mean, that's fine. I think it's, again, you know, what we talked about last week with, like, the story cards and things like that. It just makes you think about something. Right. Just saying, am I going to play something that is extreme opposites? Am I open to, you know, instead of, like, only getting something bad on a three, you know, do I want to work with my DM and just be like, look, if I rolled a three or less, make it like it's a one. Right. You know, make something terrible happen. Make something epic happen, you know, because, again, you're right. That, you know, and again, it kind of goes back to: Are we playing combat to be a little bit more realistic, or is this just a war of attrition where you know now Uzo's just yeah. stabbing somebody in the neck for five rounds in order to kill right. them when he should have technically killed them, you know, on that mm-hmm. first go around when he succeeded to sneak up on the guy and stab him in the yeah. heart? 
Well, I mean, it's a huge Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, I was so saying, I, I now was know that uh, mm-hmm. Woodworm is going to have to come out with dice that are only the middles. There are no 20s. There are no 1s. No, you, it's not like donuts and donut holes. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. It is, it is only the middle, like, averages. Ooh, donut holes. I mean, think about, I mean, when I'm I I'm ro- thinking about donut holes when right I now. Ro- <laughs> when I take hit points, I just take the average. You know what? It's just, let me just take the average. It's easier. I don't want to risk getting a 1 because that's happened to me two times in a row on character levels. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, great. Yeah, I've, I ju- I've just spent four months with 15 16 and 17 hit points. I'm like, I, I just need to take the average and be mm-hmm. done with it. Um, so, yeah. So, Woodworm, we're coming out with uh, dice with only 8, 9, 10, and 11. Add the 7 in there, the 13, the Ooh, 14s. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, I've, obviously, we've ranted and they've gotten uh, another $1,000 while we've been doing rants. So. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Who's next? Who's next? There is another Kickstarter. That one of us backed. Oh, good to know. How much did you spend on that one? <laughs> uh, 30 euros. Okay. Which in today's was $33. Mm-hmm. Uh, but know, it doesn't 10 years charge. ago, it might have been $4 million. Yeah, uh, it doesn't charge until it ships, so I don't right. have to worry about that. So uh, this is 3D printable fantasy props. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen our show, you've seen us do 3D printing maps and everything. Mm-hmm. And you will notice that... That they are just kind of the maps, you know. Yes, yeah. it's better than drawing out on a mat, you know, and having something that gives you a little bit more. To kind of like this. Yes. Okay. In fact, uh, that is a three D printable prop. All right. So I see sacks, boxes, and barrels. You know, the things yes. that everybody has in their house. So these are not from the Kickstarter. This this Kickstarter is from uh, Rafael Dominguez. Um, there are a whole bunch of cool things mm-hmm. like. Um, there are more barrels. There are crates. There are crates with blankets on top of them. There Hold are on, cute. oh vases, vases, boxes, <laughs> buckets. Um, there are uh, food. There's food. Scrolls. There's fire. I mean, there's, there's fire skull. pits. Nice there's skull in a, a book. There. Ooh, treasure. treasure, treasure chests, weapon racks. Uh, these are a lot of the uh, uh, stretch goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are three D gifts, <laughs> coffins. Fire pits. Um, so so basically what you're telling me is this is a dollhouse for boys. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Was your call being too loud to hear me insult you? <laughs> this is you printing your dollhouse for boys. It, yes, it is. Okay. And you know what? Or girls or anybody. I'm not saying yes. that that's sexist, but I'm just saying is when I was a kid, if I had a brother, I don't think my parents would have given him a dollhouse. And honestly, I don't know why she gave us a dollhouse either, because none of us played with it and it smelled bad. But I'll just let that go. All right. So, uh, so these are these are really cool files. Um, there are. I think we're going to get into three D printing as our main topic in a little bit. Oh, I thought you meant but, like in general. I was like, I am eyeballs deep in three D printing right now. What do you mean get into it? Uh, okay. So I backed this Kickstarter. Um, there are almost always three D printed STL file Kickstarters mm-hmm. going on. Um, so you can always get miniatures. You can always get stuff. Um, we bought, we kickstarted two other things. Yeah, who maybe are three. they? Because I keep getting um, emails, and I'm like, I don't delete. So, I can't. Um, printable scenery was one mm-hmm. that we kickstarted. We did the Chlorhaven, uh, which uh, means is, nothing to me. Well, so that was this. This is oh. the Goblin Grotto Those underneath are cool. Chlorhaven. Yeah. 
Um, so this is sort of an S tunnel, um, painted. Um, also, as, so Chlorhaven is, you know, just kind of a town. Um, this is something, too, um, that we kickstarted. This is a shop front. There's, like, garlic and mm -hmm. food and barrels. Oh, yeah, that's right. We were talking one day about, like, who's got the ham out in front. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> the ham in the front. There's a the ham on. Uh -huh. um, so, uh, so this is a Kickstarter. Um, they're always out there. You can also get all this stuff free. I mean, not all of this stuff free, but you can get files for free. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, was stuff like this free? It was. Okay. In fact, in fact, why don't we, why don't we wrap up the wick? Sure. Um, so, go. Uh, there's no video for this, so just go check it out. Uh, the link is down below. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about 3D, baby baby bookshelves. <laughs> 3D printing. All right, so tell me why has this dominated an entire room in the office? Please do tell. Well, uh, for the experience, for the immersive experience okay. that this provides the players and the viewers. I thought it was for the experience of it going ree, ree, ree all night long. <laughs> and then when uh, when there are multiple of them, it's ree, 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 It's kind of like the Carbon 2185 music at the beginning. It's very disconcerting. I don't listen to I don't listen to the shows I play. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, all right. So, uh, what is 3D printing? 3D printing is taking a, in this case, a plant-based plastic. I don't, is it really? I hope so. It yeah. Uh, so PLA mm -hmm. is plant-based. Um, it is obviously a chemical compound of some sort. And who knows? It's not safe to eat, so don't. Well, yeah, usually plastic has petroleum in it. Yes. So there's that. Um, but um, so it comes on spools, and you build layer by layer. You mm -hmm. build it up um, into objects and things. Mm. Is it recyclable? So just saying that one day when I kill you in your sleep, I can just melt all this down and send it back to somebody. So... Yes, technically you could melt all of this stuff. I like how down. you just get right past the kill you in your sleep part. Yeah, yeah. Huh. It's it's recorded. So so uh, detective <laughs> look revert refer to this episode. Refer to episode 3. Yeah, Detective James. Um so yes, you could actually uh, melt this stuff down and they actually have machines mm -hmm. that let you do that. Okay. So uh, often 3D printing creates failures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A so lot. Uh, that's tep typically what those are for, is to melt down your failures into reusable filament. Mm -hmm. But uh, you could melt all this stuff down as well. So that is, and that's FDM printing. Mm -hmm. um, Resin-based printing, uh, lithography kind of, um, is taking liquid resin, hitting it with a UV light, and wherever the, the light hits, it solidifies. So you, much the same way, you're building mm -hmm. up layers, um, but you have an LCD mm -hmm. or a laser hitting the resin and uh, curing it. And that is a lot finer of detail mm -hmm. and more expensive. And it takes longer. And it takes longer, yeah. Um, with, it depends. It depends. Well, for the same size object. Correct. Yeah, for the same yes. size object, definitely it would take longer. Um, you have so I think let's start with kind of 
the basic stuff that we are doing um, and what it looks like. So. Yeah, it's a floor. It's a, it's it's a, a floor. parquet floor. I've seen them before. <laughs> it is a floor, and this is a different floor. This is part of Chlorhaven, unpainted. So they, you know, it, it prints supports in there, and you can use clips to put them together. Mm -hmm. So this is open lock. There are a number of different kind of connectors out there. There's dragon lock. There is warlock now from... Whiskids. Mm -hmm. um, and then they have war, uh, Warlock to open lock and Warlock to dragon lock. So you can use their stuff with stuff that you already have. That's um, cool. So that you don't have to stick with one brand. You can mix and match different things and actually build different floors. Right. And there are hundreds of people that are making free files mm -hmm. for you to download on Thingiverse um, or Yegi to, mm -hmm. you know, print whatever you need. So this floor... Um, and these walls mm -hmm. are from Masterworks, which is Devin Jones. All of his stuff is for free on Thingiverse. He's got so much stuff there. You can download it. Um, mm -hmm. He has a Patreon that you can support him at um, as well. Just, you know, the, the breadth of stuff that he has that he's created that he has provided to us for free is just amazing. So to get into 3D printing, so it's obviously, it's a device plus the spool of plastic. Right. How much are each of those things? So um, a very good printer is the Creality Ender 3. Mm -hmm. um, there is an Ender 5. There is a CR10, so, you know, they get um, more. But the Ender 3 is their entry-level model. It is typically two... $150. So it's not super expensive. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, as big sales come up, you can get them for as low as $150. Mm -hmm. um, so last Thanksgiving, for instance, we went from one Ender 3 to three Ender 3s because it was like super discounted sale, $150. It's hard to pass that up. We actually had a different uh, printer that we started off with called the Monoprice Maker Select Plus. Mm -hmm. And we used it and used it and used it, and then the main board died. And to replace the main board was $100. And I was like, you know, did the math of like, do I want a better printer for $200 or fix this one that's not great for $100? Mm -hmm. So that's how we moved to the under three. Um, there are so, it's it's the standard printer. Um, what, um, how much, so I see on Amazon, you get those spools of plastic. Um, yes. How big, like how much plastic is in a spool and then how much can you actually print from that spool? So like economic wise, you know, at some point, how much is it to buy this versus how much is it to yeah. print it is kind of what I'm trying to suss out here. So this, this, this piece mm -hmm. here is probably... 80 cents worth of filament. Okay. Um, there is way more paint cost in this. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not using miniature paint. I'm using, you know, paint that I get in a thing for 99 cents of John Fabrics. Mm -hmm. um, don't use your miniatures paint on it because it's not really necessary. You might for stuff like this where there is a lot of detail and to make it look better. But if you have big pieces, just cheap paint. 
especially for us, it has to look good on camera. It doesn't actually have to look good in person. Yep. And, and the level of detail is, you know, yeah. something that you don't always pick up on camera because you're not close in on it. Right. So a, a macro. So under normal, under normal situation circumstances, not in the Amazon stop fulfilling unnecessary things, which, you know, we can argue whether or not filament is necessary. It's not. No. Okay. You know, it is necessary finishing painting some of these things. <laughs> yeah. There are stacks and stacks and stacks of unpainted ones. Mm -hmm. um, so a filament for one kilogram roll is $20 mm -hmm. for the good stuff. That's Hatchbox PLA. That is what we use here um, for the most part. And how much can you get? No, I would just want to know how much can you get out of that $20 worth of filament? Like, um, what can you So, a build? kilogram. So, this is, I mean, I, we could actually weigh this. Mm -hmm. um, this is 300 grams. Um, so, you could do the math on, you know, uh, 1,000. <laughs> no. No, this is not 300 grams. This must be, I don't know. This is nothing. We should weigh it. Um, but this is cheap. It's super cheap. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, so technically, these are hollow too. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, the, you know, there is a, a lattice work pattern on the inside mm -hmm. for support, but these are hollow. So it's not like a, a you know, a solid chunk. Um, they're also lightweight. It's super cheap. Mm -hmm. um, purchasing these, you know, if you were to buy, if somebody else printed this and was selling it to you, you know, they'd probably charge $12 for this. Painted or unpainted? I'm assuming unpainted. Probably unpainted, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, and that's, it takes time. So that's 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 where the real cost comes in. This is 12 hours to print. Mm -hmm. So while it's cheap, it's time consuming. Yeah, and if there is an error in it, you've now burnt how many hours? Right. Until you have to go back, reprogram it, and do it yeah. again. Actually, in this one, so you can print with lower quality. Mm -hmm. um, so this one, so I can I can see that I actually printed this one with um, a, a bigger layer height. So you see the ridges a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one, because of that layer height, printed in six hours. Okay. So the you know the the more detail you have, the longer it takes. Mm -hmm. And so how do you when you talk about getting it's not it's what what are the file sizes or what are the file types again so stl yeah that's it um stl files how do you get those into a 3d printer like you know what i mean i'm assuming yeah. you it's just like an sd card like what is it right that so, goes into the side? so you need a slicer software mm -hmm. there are a number of free ones out there so uh creality makes cura which is a the main slicing software for um, fdm filament printers mm -hmm. it is it will take your file and slice it and make G-code, mm -hmm. which is what it sends to the printer for every single layer. It's like, Got it. it is like a CNC machine, mm -hmm. which is also G-code, which is um, it tells the printhead where to start, how much filament to, to start spooling out, mm -hmm. where to go, stop. So every time that the nozzle changes, it's a new command. You know, and that software generates the G code. Got it. Okay. With um, with resin printing, uh, we use software called I I call it something else. It's called Sheet U Box. <laughs> I call it Sheet U Box. I understand That's exactly why you call something else. <laughs> um, 
and it came with the uh, Elegoo Mars resin printer that we have. Um, that would do mm-hmm. um, something like this, which is um, you know a higher detail miniature, unpainted, a little fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily, like I've seen you print min- minis on it. Yes, more so, so than anything all else. of the GIF gunslingers mm-hmm. and all of that was all printed on the printer. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have, you know, I still have some work to do to get the printer dialed in. So you, you know, with, why, why is that? I so, don't understand so dialing with, in a printer. Yeah, so with, with all of your settings, this is for both FDM and resin printers. Default is not going to be the, the right for your specific mm-hmm. hardware setup. Cause it's, it is finicky. It is mm-hmm. weird and finicky. Um, so, with the resin printer, it's, you know, do you do seven seconds or do you do eight seconds on the LCD per layer? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, what are your different settings in that? Um, and there's a lot of different variate variables to go through. And it's a, and it's like, and it's changing one setting, print it out, see what it looks like, change it, change it again, and compare. Okay, and you, do you just do that test like layer by layer, or do you let it go for like an hour and see what it looks yeah, like? Yeah, it's like let it go for an hour, see all the okay, mm-hmm. how everything went. Okay, um, what else about like you know if you were gonna just start and just say what is it that I want to start doing? Because obviously you need to. I'm assuming you need to have the printer and the filament and a pattern. That's kind of your yes. three components. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you want to start printing terrain. Um, you know, walls. We actually do, and we actually do full size walls mm-hmm. and half walls. Um, and half walls we put when we're building out our maps so that the players can actually see <laughs> over, yeah, the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you were at a, a table like this, you could do all big, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all normal size walls. But we sit, you know, three feet away from the map. So we need something with smaller walls. Mm-hmm. So you would, I would recommend you get an Ender, Ender Three from Creality, and Hashbox PLA. Mm-hmm. And um, once you do, search for Luke, Luke Hatfield, Ender Three, and watch all the videos. Mm-hmm. That would be um, that would be my suggestion. Okay. And who would you? Like, who would be interested in doing 3D printing? I mean, some people are just interested in it just because it's on a surface yeah. level. I'm like, you mean I can make anything? Like, literally in my head, I'm like, I could make, you know, spoons and forks and knives. I could make, you know, just like functionally useful things right. in a household or in, you know, yeah. in for myself. But, you know, with like this stuff, why why are people so into it? Um, I think anybody who wants a dollhouse should get one you can tell my attitude about this because i neither want a dollhouse nor are super concerned about like oh that wall is cool not my thing um so one of the things that is not terrain that we've Mm -hmm. that we've been printing is i've been designing a filter holder for our quasar science led tubes Mm -hmm. okay in human speak hang on let me do this in human speak those are lights that you use to light a film set and (laughs) so so they are uh uh if you think about a fluorescent tube, it's a tube, yeah. Um, it's that, but it is has an LED strip inside mm-hmm. of it, and it shoots light everywhere, and it's bright. And so I've made uh, clips that snap onto it, and then you can put a piece of plastic 
in there to block the light from spilling where you don't mm -hmm. want it. Yeah. So, I mean, there are people, I mean, terrain is just a small subset mm -hmm. of what 3D printers are doing. Most of them are doing like superhero statues and busts. Okay. It seems like a big portion of it. To, to people who are like, I care nothing for superheroes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we do, I mean, you know, and there's... Big... Oh, look, the top to my dollhouse that I won't ever <laughs> use or care about. It's an amazing paint job, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, somebody spent, I don't know, one afternoon doing that. Um, it's not finished. Nope. No, it's not, because you know what? Yeah. And this is, this is four pieces that were printed and glued together mm -hmm. to make... This was actually this was the 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 top of Barden Thorne's uh, tavern mm -hmm. of his three story tavern that there was going to be a huge fight in that they're not doing because eh. we're remote yeah and you could have still done it and just been like and here this yeah. is what it looks like yes so uh, yeah so so that was I mean this will be used for mm -hmm. other dollhouses cool. And encounters mm -hmm. in dollhouses. Mm -hmm. What if we did an RPG where you were, like, to like the Toy Story RPG, uh -huh. where you're toys in a dollhouse? Uh huh. You just do My Little Pony. Okay. Anyway, okay. So, is there anything else that we didn't cover about the, some of the basics of three D printing? I don't think so. I mean, okay. I think that's you know, there's there's a lot more that goes into um, the fact that your printer is always down. Mm -hmm. You have to like. <laughs> I mean, is it really, is it generally that unreliable? Um, it, it isn't, um, but you do have maintenance to do. You know, mm -hmm. you, you have to clean the bed down or else it starts to stop sticking. You know, so if, if dust gets on the bed, the filament doesn't Got stick it. and then it jams up and you have Got a big it. problem. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the most common ones mm -hmm. or you get a clog yeah. You know, so the, the filament is not always the best, right? Mm -hmm. So you could get a clog and then you have to pull the whole thing apart. Mm -hmm. So there are days where that's what it is. It's mm -hmm. pulling the printer apart and cleaning and getting it working. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your dollhouses and your little bits and tables and teacups and whatnot that you're going to make for your dollhouses. Mm-hmm campfires and um skulls with books i mean maybe if dollhouses look like that when i was younger we might have played with them probably not probably not that was an indoor sport we weren't those kinds of kids but anyway um yeah so any other topics that we need to cover today i think that's it for today okay cool um we're going to keep scouring hard drives for certain things mm-hmm yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna. You know what we need to do? Come up with a less expensive segment, because how much money have I spent on Kickstarter now? In three episodes. We don't have to back all of the things that we talk about. Well, but I kind of like Chris Haskins' idea because at first I was like, "Oh, I see. There's nothing available for Wormwood. I'll throw you a couple bucks." Like that's his philosophy. We should support other people in the industry. Now I'm like, oh, but if I'm interested enough to talk about it, I'm interested enough to buy it. Like, that's my problem where I'm just like some of the stuff I'm like, yeah, it's interesting to everybody and it's really popular. And we should talk about it. But some of the stuff that I actually talk about, it's like it's just because I want I just bought it. Sorry. So, uh, OK, so we'll, we'll think about maybe a, a, maybe we won't do every week. 
a Kickstarter bit. We'll see. I mean, now it's what been three weeks in a row. I'm probably at oof. Yeah, no. Let's not yeah. talk about how much money I've spent. Let's the two weeks in a row I've spent fifty dollars. Nope, never mind. I didn't spend. I spent more than that. Okay, this week I've only spent thirty one dollars. And I spent thirty three dollars. Okay, so so maybe we won't do the Kickstarter segment. We'll be, this this week in ramen will really be our new segment. <laughs> Look at all the ramen I ate. It was amazing. You it know was how thirty nine we... cents for that thing of ramen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's wrap it up. Now that I've thought about where all my money is going lately, is that it? That's it. That's cool. going to wrap it up for this episode. Sweet. Uh, we're I know that there are a number of people that we want to get on the interview docket. Mm-hmm. Um, we had I had I have a gig, good for you. That is happening mm. on four twenty. Yep, and um, that's kind of pushed uh, doing interviews and a bunch of stuff back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll but be... we can talk about that gig a little bit more because that has a lot to do with um, internet yes. streaming and things that Thomas and I do every day and struggle with. So yeah. there are some some learnings and some interesting things that come yeah. out of that. So, so we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. So we'll talk about streaming. Because mm-hmm. we stream now virtually. Yeah. I literally sit looking out my bedroom window streaming events that go out to 20,000 people. And I'm wearing a nice shirt on top and pajama bottoms <laughs> now. So that's welcome to the new normal. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap it up yep. for this time. We're going to come back uh, at a later date next week. Called next week. Called next week. All right. Thanks. See ya. <laughs>